Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer. A senior resource specialist, Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. And by Asheville Farms. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all worldwide podcast platforms. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who have a passion for people-to-people travel connections. My guest today is veteran travel writer Larry Blyberg. I recently read an article about Larry from 2005 where he talks about his early days of traveling and writing. He talks about his first break as an editor and how the biggest reward as a travel writer comes from being able to learn about the world every day and sometimes even going out to see it. Well, fast forward, and today, Larry is an eight-time Lowell Thomas Travel Journalism Award winner. He was honored for editing the best newspaper travel section in the country. He served on a Pulitzer Prize team and is the immediate past president of the Society of American Travel Writers, and he's written for some of the top publications in the world. And he is doing truly some legacy work. And Larry, it is such a pleasure to have you here. On speaking of travel, as we enter into a new year, thank you so much. Well, it's great to be with you this morning, Marilyn. So, Larry, you have been writing for a long time. Sounds like that was your early career and where you kind of jumped off from. Give us a little backstory on how that all unfolded for you. Well, writing and travel, I think, have always been mixed up in my mind in a good way. Um, 
I started writing, I think, in second grade when we all had to write little essays and read them to the class. And I just loved the feedback that I got from my teachers and from my fellow students. And that kind of told me I wanted to be doing this writing thing. I, I got a charge out of it. And from that, it's, you know, I just think I was writing for my newspaper in elementary school and high school and in college. And it's just always been what I wanted to do. Um, the travel part is interesting. I think and you, you know this too. I think when people come to travel, travel writing are working in the industry two ways. They either have spent their all their lives traveling. They were childrens of diplomats or international business executives. Or in my case, growing up in the Washington area, they were military kids, military brats who worked, lived in South Korea and Germany. And then the other, so they're the ones that have been exposed to travel their whole lives and they just have it. I was at the other extreme. I didn't do any travel as a kid. I mean, I... The one travel we did was up Interstate 95 to New Jersey to see my cousins. And that was twice a year. And I just knew that there was a bigger world as much as I like I-95. And I've written about it. I knew there was more of a world than that. And so I didn't even get on an airplane until I was 17 going to look at colleges. And I've been trying to make up for it ever since. That's So that's kind of the way it works. One way, or the, I bet it's the same way with you. I don't, and I can never tell which one it is, whether you were the diplomat's child or the one stuck on the stuck at home. Well, it's funny because I always like to ask my guests, what was it like for you when you were a kid? Did you travel? Mm -hmm. And half the time I get, we traveled all the time. My mother was a flight attendant or my father right. was a pilot. Or I grew up in the Midwest. We would get in our station wagon and drive to grandma's house in the next county over. And that was it. And now they are the ones who are traveling the world and have the most epic travel stories and experiences of all. So it's really a toss up on how that works for you when you start to travel. So Larry, how did you first put these two together? You, it sounds like you were an editor, like in a newspaper and, and doing writing, but how did it kind of transform into the travel portion of the program? It's, um, I look at, I was a newspaper writer. I always wanted to be a newspaper writer and I thought I wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein and, you know, over, um, you know, uncover corruption. And I did cover politics, but what I really loved doing was writing feature stories. And I was in Kentucky. I started my career with a courier journal um, in Louisville, which was a great newspaper. And um, I would go out into all port, rural Appalachia, all over West Western Kentucky, writing stories. Later, looking back at them, they were travel stories. All they lacked was the go box at the bottom to say, here's how you do it. So that really was, that's the kind of writing that I love to do. I, where I got my lucky break, I think, was at the Dallas Morning News, where I was covering education and covering crime and covering government. But we had a travel section at that newspaper. And I got to write an article, a freelance article for the travel section. And I just, that's when it all came together for me. And I started to, it was actually about the Cincinnati Zoo, of all things, which was the home to the last passenger pigeon. So it was the type of story that I love to write, which is sort of a surprising story, something you didn't know, something you might learn something and then ultimately encourage you to go there. And then the, there was an opening on the Dallas Morning News travel section. And it was a hard decision because I really, to me, I... Uh, covering news, covering politics was like eating your vegetables. And I shouldn't be do having dessert all the time. But my my late wife took me by the arm and kind of took me over to our bookshelf and said, 
look at all your books. What are your books here? And sure enough, they were all travel books. So it's been, I've been lucky enough to do that ever since and have made it my career. And um, I learn something every day still doing it. And that's the wonderful part. Well, you know what they say, every day's a school day. So <laughs> I hadn't heard that, but it sure is. Yes, it is. And you know, it was actually an interview with you when you were at that Dallas paper from 2005 that's mm -hmm. still out there today. And there was a picture of you then. And it oh, took me goodness. like a minute to figure out, oh, that's Larry. Like that was you in your youth when you look like Woodward and Bernstein, I have to say. You had a great look. You look like you were a newspaper kind of guy. It was really cool. So being able to get that big break was definitely the the beginning of the path for you. And now here you are all these years later and you've you've just really accomplished so much. Tell us a little bit about what it's what it's been like for you as your career has moved forward as a travel writer and being able to be associated with so many other travel writers and people in this industry? Well, um, I made, and you did too, Marilyn, made the unfortunate choice of working in media. Um, in that, I mean, it's, it's I, I say that facetiously because I love it, of course, but in that the industry has been going through tumult the enti my entire career. Three years into my career is when newspaper circulation topped. So it's been going downhill ever since then. So I've had to adapt. And I think that's been the secret for everybody who does this. I, I still write a little bit for newspapers, but very little, very little. I'm writing for websites. I have a website. I, um, you know, write for, for blogs, for magazines, for books. I just, you, you just have to expand out. And so that, that, is more of a talk, more of a discussion about media in itself, but that's meant rolling with it and flowing with it. Um, I remember the first time I saw listicles, those top 10 lists, you know, 10 great things to do in, in Asheville or something. Um, that was just sort of a radical way to pull things to, to communicate at that point, because it wasn't, it wasn't a typical, here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end. And I think we've all had to learn to communicate in different ways. Well, when we come back from the break, Larry, I want to talk more about that because there are so many different ways and especially around travel and how people find the research that they need to be able to read the stories that you write and get more information and become more savvy even as travelers. Tell us, you talked about a website. How can people get to that website while they're listening? Well, there are two things. I have a professional website, essentially just my portfolio, which is LarryBlyberg.com, B-L-E-I-B-E-R-G, LarryBlyberg.com. And then the my passion project, something I do just because I'm fascinated by it and I've lived in the Deep South for most of my life, I have a site about visiting places from the civil rights movement, historic sites from the civil rights movement. And that's called CivilRightsTravel.com. And that, it, to me, is some of the most important travel, I think, is something that can touch you and you can learn from and connect with. And these are some of the most um, important places in American history. And that, that's and so that's my other. We can talk more about that if we want to. But that's my other website, Civil Rights Travel and Larry Blyberg. Well, thank you so much. We definitely are going to want to talk about that, because like you said, the historical being able to know where these important events in our world, in our country has happened is really important. 
Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with veteran travel writer Larry Blyberg. We're talking about travel and writing, and we're going to pick up right here. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Traveling to new places is good for everybody, but sometimes travel can be challenging. The good news is there are products available that can put your traveling concerns at ease. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with travel writer Larry Blyberg. And Larry, it is so great to have you here, and there's so much that I want to talk to you about. You know, I first met you years ago. You were the keynote speaker at a big travel conference, and I was in the audience, and I was listening to you talking about your travels and your writing, and I was just so inspired. Like, I want to be Larry. I want to do what Larry does. <laughs> How many people say that to you? Can I just come along and get in your suitcase? Because you have so many adventures. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what you were saying before the break of your love for civil rights and what has transpired over the years and how you're involved in that. Give us a little backstory on that and how you came to to be so passionate about this. Well, I think I was living in Birmingham, Alabama at the time, which of course is in the heart of the civil rights area. And it just occurred to me, I couldn't go to Gettysburg and talk to someone that had fought at Gettysburg. I couldn't go to the Alamo and talk to someone who'd been there with Davy Crockett. But I could go, I could try five miles and talk to someone that marched with Martin Luther King. They were still alive and this was there. And I think much like New Yorkers who never go to the Statue of Liberty, it's easy to forget when you're surrounded by history. And I just wanted to do that because um, it was important. And I, and this it's easy to get lost in a political mess and I'm not going into politics. To me, this is history. This is just American history. It's um, African-American history, but it's all of our history. And there were it, everybody was involved. So I just, and I found it was, it was right near me. It was an area that I could, geographically it was easy to get to because I was living there and I had some other family duties that made it difficult for me to travel at that point in my life. And I just found it fascinating. And people were, it wasn't even, it wasn't hard to get people to talk. It was hard to get people to stop talking. They were so, people wanted to tell these stories before they were lost. And so I just find that, and it's, this is a history that's everywhere. It's sort of a people's history. There are leaders that we've all heard of, and then there are people that 
we haven't heard of and we really should. So it just that appeals to the journalist and me to uncovering stories and helping make sense of the world around you. And and what is it? We're going to go to your website and check it out. But what what do you have on the website that is a resource for people when they want to know more about this? What do you have there that we can see? Oh, well, I um, tell people how to plan an itinerary, the civil right. There's, it's become almost um, a rite of passage that people do the Washington trip, people do the civil rights trip. And I tell people how to do that, some great itineraries for it, starting in Washington, starting in Greensboro, starting in Atlanta, that sort of thing. Um, so I give people the nuts and bolts. And then for each site that I can that I've been able to write about, and there's so many more I haven't, I sort of tell what happened and how you can recreate that or not and revisit the places where this history happened. And it's very inspiring. I once wrote a story for the Los Angeles Times about, it was a, it was about the most beautiful place in America. And to me, what I said, you know, there was a compilation. I said it was on top of the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, because um, you stand there and you think about the bravery of people that stood there. And I, I realized, I, I dragged my son. It was Martin Luther King Day. He wanted to stay at home. I dragged him down there. We went and talked, walked, walked the bridge. And standing at the top, you think, would I have been brave enough to keep walking into a, you know, a lineup of of um, people with um, horses and and whips and and bars ready to attack you. And I know there's no way I would have been brave enough, but that's where you sense the bravery. So I take people and tell people how to visit places like that. That's really a, a lovely way of looking at it and, and to see beauty from so many different ways. Mm. Larry, I want to talk to you a little bit about now your travel and how how do you like get assignments? How do you go about doing the work that you do today that is so epic in a way? I mean, I know you just got back from where'd you go to Turkey, I think, and it, it you go all over the world. Give us an idea of how that all kind of happened for you. Well, it's um it's been a very good travel year for me. 2002, I I think it was more international travel than I ever had. And that's um I think it's partially because of post-pandemic, there's just a surge in interest and a surge in need for stories. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm just, I also had an incredible trip to Roanoke, Virginia this year, which I think is nothing personal here, but I think it's the new Asheville. I mean, I just think it's wonderful. Um, so I'm just happy to go anywhere. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't need to use a passport. It just, I'm just happy to go anywhere. The store, how do I get the story I, stories? There's really no one answer to that. Everything happens differently. In an ideal situation, I have found a story that I want to write. And, and when I say story, it's not I want to go and write about Paris because we don't need that. The world, there's a Wikipedia entry, there's books, there's careers, but I, there's something maybe about a bookshop in Paris that I want to write about or a a monument or a park. So I need, and there's something that is going to make it an interesting story. My goal is to write stories that you want to read, even if you're not going there. And then you read it and go, wow, I want to go there to, to, to inspire people to travel. So that's the ideal situation when I find a story and then I can convince an editor that it's a story and then go. That was one of the most hard parts from moving from being a travel editor to a travel freelancer. Because when I was a travel editor, I had brilliant ideas. I was brilliant because the only person I, who I had to convince my ideas were good 
or essentially me and maybe my boss. Now I need to convince other editors that I have brilliant ideas and I'm learning that I'm not as brilliant as I really thought I was. But that's so that's the ideal situation is finding a story. Otherwise, I it happens in different ways. Sometimes there are people that are wanting to promote an area and I'm able to find somebody that wants an article on it and we kind of work it that way. Sometimes I'm just going off on my own and then trying to sell the story after that. And a lot of sometimes I'm not even traveling. I'm just doing research and writing right from here in my laptop. So not an easy answer to that because things, I mean, I wish there was always this dream that people thought that when I was the travel editor of the Dallas Morning News, um, every Monday that I would just go over to DFW, you know, and look at the list of all the flights and just like pick from a Chinese food menu. Like, oh, today we'll try, oh, Dubai, let's do that this week. It No, that, that doesn't work like that. And, um, and it was probably just as well. Right. I see. I see how that unfolds for you. And I'll tell you, you know, to be able to think about not only the the traveling portion, but also how you're going to put that into, like you said, the story ideas that are really going to resonate with people and move right. them and inspire them. And now you, you're the past president of the Society of American Travel Writers. That must have been a lot of fun to be the president of a travel writing association where you're around people who are doing your, your, what your career is. That must be very rewarding. Well, it's, I mean, it's like talking to you, Marilyn, you talk to someone who's in your business and you just connect. It was a tremendous honor. I will say that. Um, the society or SATW as it's called, it's the world's largest organization of travel communicators. We include writers, bloggers, photographers, videographers, and public relations people from the industry. Um, it's a professional organization. I was really lucky to get into that role. Now, the other side of that story is that my presidency happened to coincide with the pandemic. So I was the president of the organization of grounded travel writers. Um, it was in ch grounded, challenged, and frustrated travel writers. So during my year, instead of getting, I dreamed, I thought I'd be traveling around the world, meeting with colleagues and, and having important discussions. And instead, I really found myself, I was a cheerleader for our profession. I kept us connected with my board, and it wasn't just me and shared the latest news. And we rolled out a lot of professional development to keep members engaged. It wasn't the fun year that I'd hoped for, but looking back now, I see that it was a really important year for our industry and for our profession. Well, I want to talk more about that, actually, when we come back from the break, Larry, because the industry has changed. There's no denying it. We all know it. It's, mm -hmm. you know, two and a half, three years now into it. And you know, where are we on the other side? People are talking about, uh, you know, the industry is changing. Well, what does that look like? I want to I talk more about that with you. Tell us again your website and how people can, can connect. Oh, sure. Um, a good compilation of my articles and background is Larry Bleiberg, B-L-E-I-B-E-R-G.com. And then my um, civil rights website is civilrightstravel.com. Well, Larry, I'm looking forward to talking more with you and really dig, digging a little deeper into the industry and, and what we all can expect, not just the people who are in the travel and tourism industry, but the people who are traveling and what we can expect as we go out and, and travel more. This, I think, 2023 is going to be a big year for travel. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your 
take on how things are going to change. This is Marilyn Baugh. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Larry Blyberg, travel writer extraordinaire, and we will be right back. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with travel writer Larry Blyberg. And Larry, again, it is just such a pleasure to have you here. The first guest of 2023. It's just such a such a pleasure. And, you know, on that note, as we're talking about entering into this new year, we were talking about travel today and how you were talking about last year was really your best travel year ever and things are changing let's talk a little bit about that as you were out and about in 2022 what was it like what were you seeing in the in the industry when people were traveling for the first time some of them for a couple of years well it's a really lots of different trends cross currents and i still haven't quite pulled them all apart but I think in one sense, everybody who vowed, I'm going to, during the pandemic, I'm going to live life differently. I'm going to be more deliberate. I'm going to be more thoughtful. I think people threw that out the window. I mean, it's, I remember being in the Grand Place in Brussels, you know, the center of the city, the great tourism spot. And I remember it was in April and I could just feel the energy. It was spring break then for most of the students in Europe. And I could feel the energy just surging through the streets there, crowds and crowds of people. And it was interesting. I never thought of that many people being having a physical reaction to it, but I could. It was really, and it was exciting because I hadn't been around that for, none of us had for three years, two and a half, three years. And it was, but it was also kind of overwhelming. It was sort of like being hit with a tidal wave. So the concerns about over-tourism that we've heard about are real and they're not ha- they haven't gone away people are out there traveling and they're doing it i mean pretty much the same ways that said there are people doing things differently and there are more ways to do things differently than ever before a lot of it is that phone that you're carrying around is just giving you all sorts of new options for booking trips for booking experiences an example that i've heard i haven't been able to check this out yet but in japan in tokyo it used to be that in order to do some very exclusive things you had to be at a fancy hotel and you had to have a concierge book it for you, whether it was a private tour of the fish market or maybe a sushi making class or maybe work um, touring a temple with a monk. Now you can just go online, go to an app and book it and do it yourself. And that's pretty liberating in a lot of ways um, for people that know to do that or think to do that. And that's where you and I come in as travel journalists. We are in telling people and inspiring people. 
you can experience and see the world in lots of different ways. So I think that's something that's happening. It's sort of a subtext, the subcurrent that's going on. And that makes things pretty wonderful. Well, Larry, when you travel, give us an idea of what your travel style is like. Do you uh, pack light? Do you like to go on these tours? What's your kind of style like? That's such an interesting expression, an interesting question. Well, first of all, I'm going to confess something. I'm a terrible packer. Everybody's, you're supposed to do just the tiny little carry-on. And sometimes I can make that happen, but I'm awful at it. And usually halfway through packing, I just give up and just start throwing things into my suitcase. Um, the best travel advice, you know, people sometimes ask travel writers, what's your, what's your travel packing advice? Here's mine. And I don't follow it, which is whenever you're going somewhere, get on your computer and look at what the weather is going to be. And here's the key step, believe it. And it's so hard to think to pack a sweater when you're when it's 90 degrees or pack a bathing suit when you're in the winter. You just, no, no, I don't need that. So believe it. So my style, what I like to do when I'm out traveling is, I mean, this is a business trip for me. I mean, it looks like fun from the outside and people do want to come and carry my suitcase, but it's a business trip and I really need to be very well prepared. I need to have things really planned out. And then, which some people, which is not the way a lot of people like to travel, but then I need to, I build in time for spontaneity. And for like, I, I will have on my schedule, get lost. I mean, literally I will, I was just in Istanbul, as you mentioned, and I had a free afternoon and I got on the subway and I purposefully got off at the wrong station and got lost. I do this all the time because First of all, you're never really lost in this world, with particularly with your Google Maps and everything going on. And when you do get lost, the most wonderful things can happen. You wander into strange places, you have new experiences, you see another part of a place or a city that you never would see. So I guess, I don't know what we'd call that, that I'm well-planned with spontaneity kind of scheduled in, which sounds unspontaneous, but it still works. And as far as tours, I think it's always great as a journalist, I can often get an expert to show me around, but the cool behind the scenes tour of a cafe or a museum or an archeological site. But the cool thing is, is that we all can do that. As I said, you can book these private, not private makes it sound too fancy. You can book these special tours through a variety of apps. And then you can always just ask if you um, just ask nicely, say, how do you all make those tacos? I mean, sometimes they'll just wave you back into the kitchen and show you. So just be friendly, curious, and I always think when you're a traveler, you have you're a traveler, you have sort of a tourist license. You can ask stupid things, and you can get to do things that normal people couldn't. So that's I mean that I don't know what we'd call that travel style, but that's kind of how I like to approach a place. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love the idea of getting lost. In fact, sometimes I. Don't do it spontaneously. It just kind of <laughs> <Exactly>. happens. <laughs> I was just in New York recently, and I, I maybe on some level it was intentional. I just was <laughs> like, well, I know I'm going from point A to point B. I'm going to walk there. Oh, is that a chocolate shop? And then the next thing I know, I've turned off of you know the main street. I'm down some little alleyway, and and I'm in a chocolate shop that is the most amazing chocolate shop in the whole wide world right there. So well, you nailed it. That's what that's what travel is about. It's getting there, but then leaving a chance for, for a spot for things to happen. Well, you were talking about 
how this new technology uh, is right at our fingertips. Let's talk about that for just a little bit because, you know, there is this new technology and there are so many resources. What would you suggest, Larry, for people who are, you know, maybe just beginning to look at traveling, going maybe beyond their county or their state or even the United States, maybe going someplace they've never been before, what would you suggest for people to just kind of enter into that world of technology that is so here and now? There's um, Every place has its own special website, given that some, some local person has decided to share their city with them. So I can't describe what that is, but it's out there, whatever city you go to. But I'm going to make it really easy. The two things you just need, the two things, there's plenty more. It's not exotic. It's Google Maps and Google Translate. Google Maps has literally, it's removed the last barriers to travel in my mind. Um, These apps have literally guided me around the world. I've gotten lost and I found great, cool things from Chengdu, China to Copenhagen. I just go out in the street and I can guide myself anywhere. Um, in in that I was surprised a couple of years ago in Paris, we all take the Metro in Paris, or people take Uber. The buses I've never thought about taking, but my app said, here, there's a bus that's arriving in two minutes that's going to take you exactly where you need to go. And I just thought, huh, I'll take a bus. And sure enough, boom, 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 boom. I don't even take buses in my hometown, basically, you know, and here was a chance to just do it. And that's just because of the technology there. Google Translate, so many people worry about going to places where they don't speak the language and it's just no longer an issue. I remember going at somewhere in rural China, going into a pharmacy. I had a headache and I remember the, the person who worked there took out her phone and punched in. I think something was lost in translation, but the message that got through is, what do you want? <laughs> and I was able to just type in acetaminophen and bingo, you know, two minutes later, I had what I needed. So those two things will really open the world to you literally and figuratively. There's no place you can't go without those two apps. Well, that is some good information. And when we come back from the break, I want to dive just a little bit deeper into where you're off to next, how we can all uh, follow you. Let's. Why don't you give us your website again, Larry, so people can be following you and pick up some of these great travel tips. Larry, B-L-E-I-B-E-R-G.com and civilrightstravel.com. Well, Larry, we are looking forward to following you, seeing where you're off to next. I can't wait to find out more. So this is Marilyn Ball. I'm here today with Larry Bleiberg. We're talking about travel, and Larry has some good travel tips for us. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. 
There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words hold Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Larry Blyberg. He's a veteran travel writer. He travels and writes all all over the world and Larry I'm just so excited to have you here and be here on speaking of travel with us today and I can't wait to find out what 2023 is going to hold for you what do you have planned coming up you know there's a lot of open questions there I don't know I have a um, a couple domestic trips I'm really looking forward to I'm going to be doing a road trip through Alabama with where I used to live and where I have a lot of connections. And that's going to be wonderful. It looks like I'm going to go to Ireland and there's a chance of going to Australia. And this is the weird thing about travel writers. They have strange holes in their travel resume because of work, because of jobs, because of assignments. They go to some crazy places that you would never imagine going. And then they haven't been to the most obvious places. And I've never been to Australia. So I'm really thinking that would be wonderful if that can happen this year. And then I'm just going to keep my eyes open and looking for story ideas. I live in Virginia now. I grew up in Virginia. So I'm loving writing about my home state. And that, and the question that I'm often asked, and I'm sure you are too, Marilyn, is where is your favorite place? And the real, the, the, my, the real answer people don't like but it's basically the next place that I'm going. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm just always excited to be going somewhere, which is why the pandemic was so tough on travel folks, because it just kind of built into our DNA. So I'm just excited about wherever the next trip is going to take me. The next one I think is going to be, it may be West Virginia for a quick road trip and then up to New York, which are great places to go. They're different. And I just, there'll be new things to see and new people to meet. So I can't wait. So Larry, when you travel, let's say just to go on a trip, like you're going to go to New York or you're going to go to Alabama. Do you have an intention when you go there that you're looking for a story or do you already know that there's a story there that you're going to dive deeper into? What's going on in your head as you're planning this all out? I generally don't go unless I'm traveling with family or for, you know, for, um, for leisure in that regard. I, I won't get on a plane or get into a car unless I know what my story is, which, I mean, I will the I, I will often change the story and the story will morph and go in different directions once I start digging into it. But it's not a, the journey of discovery happens at home on the internet or reading or figuring or talking to people. And that's where I get the gem of a, a germ of an idea, hopefully a gem of an idea, and then chase it down. So um, the trips to West Virginia, it's a story that I've already been assigned. So I'm going to be writing. That's what I'm doing there. In New York, it's meeting with other people in the industry. But who can go to New York and not find something else cool to do while you're there? So I'm, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I have several several things that I'm kind of playing with right now. But as I said, there's, you still need to leave room for complete surprises. And be, 
the, I read this quote that just last week that, um, and I think it was Eisenhower said that, that planning is use, um, having plans are useless, but planning is imperative. So it's important to have a plan and then it's important to be able to throw it all away too. I love that idea. In fact, that seems to be kind of my MO. <laughs> there you go. It always seems to be like, oh, where did that plan go? <laughs> but let me ask you this. You talk, you know, you mentioned that people always ask you, well, what's your favorite place that you've ever been? What's your favorite story? What was a story that just was like an epic wow moment for you when you when you were writing it? Well, there's I, it's like children. I can't have a favorite, but I can tell you some of my favorites. Um, one was, um, and it was, in, and I think it's partially the inspiration, which was my son who was in second or third grade at the time brought home. I don't think it was a weekly reader, but it was like that sort of thing, a little news magazine. And they were, it was all about Venus fly traps. And in order to teach, I think, you know, this story, but in order to teach map skills, it showed where all the Venus fly traps in the world come from. And I don't know what you would think. I would have thought it would have been Borneo or the South Pacific or Tahiti. No, all the Venus flytraps in the world grow within 90 miles of Wilmington, North Carolina. So I, my, and when, so it came time for vacation, I said, well, Harrison, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go to Wilmington, North Carolina. So we went not on a beach trip, but on a Venus flytrap trip. And it was kind of like the Adams family going vacation. We were just looking for these creepy things. And I had the most incredible time chasing it with him, chasing it down. We went to uh, sanctuaries where they were growing in the wild. We went to places where people were stealing, were poaching them. We saw giant warehouses where they were growing for every Lowe's and um, Home Depot in America was getting their Venus flytraps grown there. And and I ended up winning an award for the piece. Um, but it was mostly just because it was such a crazy story. And it was that's the type of story that I love the most. Um, there are other examples when I get lucky and have a good story idea and it plays out. But that one played out really well. I love that. And it's such a great way to incorporate your your father-son relationship and, mm -hmm. you know, going someplace with a purpose. And I want to talk a little bit about that because sometimes when we look at traveling with a purpose that we have an intention. We want to go to this particular place, but maybe we've never been before. Or we, we're not sure how to speak the language or how to take the transportation. Do you think, Larry, that people, you know, especially as we're moving into this new age of technology, do you think we can really teach old dogs new tricks on how to travel? Well, I think needs. <laughs> I don't want to think of either of us as old dogs, so we're not going there. But um, I think I want to turn that on its head just a little bit. I think people can travel the way travel writers do. And what I mean by that is that create a mission when you travel. Make up a mission. Find are you anything. Are you a knitter? Go to the city's best yarn store, where wherever that is. Do you love architecture? Find the city's Frank Light. Frank Lloyd Wright buildings or whatever architects, other style you like. Are you a pinball nut? Well, find that obscure. There's probably a blog that you follow that talks about an obscure machine. Go find, I'm just making this stuff up. But, but anyway, find a purpose and dig into it. And what's going to happen, you're going to be pursuing a passion. So you're going to love it. But it's even more importantly, it's going to take you off a typical tourist and travel path. You're going to be heading away from the crowds. You're going to be heading on a bus maybe 
are in, you'll experience a site in a whole different way. You'll find yourself in maybe a suburban area of Athens or, or somewhere in the outskirts of Phoenix, someplace you wouldn't have gone, and you'll be in, following something that you're fascinated with. So that's kind of what travel writers do. You're you're chasing a story. You don't have to have a story or an audience for it. You can just it can be your passion that you're feeding. But try to find that little thing. It doesn't have to be your whole trip. It could just be an afternoon. But that's my that's my tip. I love that tip, and I have been trying to practice that myself when I go to some place that I've never been. Especially even when I've gone someplace where I have been. I, Many times, I'll try to find something that is maybe off the beaten path that right. is like, oh, I'm going to find that. Well, Larry, tell us again how we can get in touch with you, what your websites are, and how people can connect, because I know they're going to want to catch up and read your stories and find out more about what you do and and all of your wonderful travel experiences. Well, sure. The easiest ways are um, my website. Um, which is sort of a um, resume or a portfolio site, which is Larry Bleiberg, B-L-E-I-B-E-R-G.com. I'd also suggest, I should have mentioned this earlier, following me on Facebook, because that's where I really put most of my information. It's L Bleiberg, L-B-L-E-I-B-E-R-G. And then um, I have a website devoted to civil rights history, because I live in the South and I'm fascinated with that history, how to visit the sites from the civil rights movement. And that's civilrightstravel.com. And I just would love to see you out on the road, see you online. But my, my hope is that it's, what all this will do is inspire your own travels. It's not about my travels. It's about your travels. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Larry, so much for taking the time and being here on Speaking of Travel and helping us usher in a new year of new travel experiences and adventures. Thanks so much. It's been such a treat to chat, Marilyn, and wishing you a great year ahead. Well, Larry, thank you so much. And, you know, we are so lucky that we're entering into this new year with a clean slate of 365 days. So how are we going to approach this new year and set a course for ourselves with an intention, like Larry was saying, to travel more? Well, first off, get clear of what you want to get out of that trip and why, and then see yourself there envisioning yourself on a beach in Greece is going to bring you closer to being there. You know, the perfect trip is waiting for you. So make your plans now and dream big. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 